You're listening to the Primal Alternative Podcast. Inspiration for your evolution. Alison Morgan is one of Australia's leading business coaches, specializing in helping health, wellness, beauty, and lifestyle businesses and others grow their business, their brand, and their profile. She's got over 20 years experience in marketing and over eight years of private business coaching um, and her company, Relauncher, knows how to create successful businesses. She's also founder of Sticky Studio, which is a branding, content marketing, social media and website design studio servicing businesses, brands and people. Now, I wanted to get Alison on the show because as you know, I'm all about taking your wellness mission and turning it into a service that's going to be for your um, greater good and also the greater good of your customers. So taking what you love and making a business out of it and having a fair and equitable exchange for those services or product that you've got. Um, And what I often find is a lot of people that go through health and wellness transformation then want to, they get to that point of transcendence where they, they've, they've healed themselves or they're on definitely on a healing journey and want to help, it, help others and, and help them feel as good as they do too. And that could be in the form of becoming a personal trainer, maybe a yoga teacher, a spiritual healer, an energy worker, a massage therapist, a health coach. Um, maybe you're going to start a cafe that sells amazing, nourishing whole foods or produce foods for people to make it more convenient for them to stick to this way of life. That one's been done by me. Um, no, but you know, like, so I wanted to bring on more business coaches into this, um, into this podcast for those of you who want to start a business, but are just at that sort of ideas stage or you've started but you just don't know really how to leverage what you've already got or to launch your ideas and turn it from a really freaking good idea into a business that's actually making money. So Alison is going to talk to us today um, about what a typical day looks like in her day job. Uh, We'll find out whether she thinks routine and schedule is important or not. whether it's a good idea to have um, actionable steps or whether it's just a good idea just to go with the flow. And she's going to give us her one piece of advice that, um, you, that's going to help you succeed in whatever industry you're in. We're also going to find out how to make decisions quickly in business because that can be a tricky one. And um, we're going to find out as well how to create a business that's unique in a sea of other people doing what feels like everyone's doing the same thing. How can you stand out and be unique? And having worked from home for 11 years, Alison's going to give us her key recommendations and pieces of advice to those of you who are new to this whole working from home situation how to find balance, does balance even exist, and how to make it all flow effortlessly and beautifully. So super stoked to have Alison on the show, Um, and we dive into some really awesome questions. I know it's going to be super valuable for my primalistas, but also for any of you who've got your own business um, or are considering getting started in your own business. And if you're thinking about starting your own business, oh my goodness, do it. Seriously, it is the most fun ever. It's the most fun ever. It's such a great contribution. You have one hell of an experience and you definitely grow uh, as a human. And um, yeah, like I say, best fun ever. So definitely check it out. Now, if you are new to this or if you're one of Alison's listeners, hello, I'm H. I'm the founder of Primal Alternative. We're a grain-free food business. So if you are, have got any dietary restrictions such as gluten intolerance, you're looking for products that are wheat-free, maybe you're looking for something that's grain-free, nut-free, vegan, keto, low-carb, paleo, we've got, we've got you covered. So we've got breads, cookies, pastries, um, pizza bases, wraps, packet mixes, pancakes, 
Um, yeah, we've got amazing products as well as some of your bulk dry ingredients as well uh, in our whole foods section of the business. Now, I have shared my successful business model with other health enthusiasts um, and called it the Primalista license. So the Primal Alternative products are all home-baked, locally produced by a Primalista in your area, which is so cool. Because I think there's a certain energy about homemade foods that has got a certain, I don't know, frequency, vibration, energy, love that you just can't get from something that's pumped out um, in a factory, right? So if you want to have your own business, but you don't want to start from scratch and take three to five years to hit the ground running and start making a profit, getting involved with a license can give you that fast track, can get you from A to B quicker than if you were to create a brand from scratch. And a lot of the foundations that Alison talks about, you know, that's the key when you're starting a business. A lot of the foundations are already done. So all of your compliance, your legals, your labels, your um, food business registration, your food safety program, the recipes, the pricing, the brand, the logo, the trademark, all of that's already taken care of. So you can simply get started, start producing the products and get started in your own home business. So it's very cool. I love what we're doing. It's a very ethical, community-centric. Um, so if you want to come and check it out, please come to primalalternative.com. You'll be able to see all of the products we've got available and also find out about the Primalista license and see if that's for you too. I love those names. That's so cool. And before we dive into you and all that you're about, I know we've got some great questions lined up for today. What I want to find out first, Alison, is what did you have for breakfast this morning? You know what? I have the same thing for breakfast every morning, which isn't that exciting. And it's a new zest vanilla smoothie. I love it. So you just something you make yourself? Yeah, I, I literally, it has a tray of ice in it, <laughs> water, a frozen banana and new zest protein powder and I love it. It's so, so good. Yeah, I, so I always start my day with that and a coffee. Yeah, very easy. Perfect. Sounds great. Now, for those of, for those of us that don't know you, how would you describe your day job? Oh my gosh, my, my, I'm a very, very busy person because I've got two businesses. When, when I started my second business, I didn't really realise how busy that would make me. Um, but I, I really do split my time. So business coaching, I don't do any group coaching. It's all one-on-one. And the reason why I do that is because that's the best way to drive a business forward. Otherwise, it's kind of like they can find the information online if by, by Google searches. So I'm very much about tailoring solutions to individual people and their businesses. So everything's one-on-one via Zoom. So I, I, gen- I coach most days, but I have to allow time to work on the other business. Um, so the other business is Sticky Studio. I have a team of graphic designers that work for me and we, oh my gosh, we, we produce amazing, amazing um, marketing, branding, logos, online portals, websites, packaging design, ebooks, everything for, for small businesses. And we, you know, over the time as that business has grown, because we've got so much work going through there, we've had to really create great systems and processes to keep up with everything because all the work goes through me, you know, like all the briefing and then every piece of work that goes out goes via me as well because I just, I just know... Um, how to pull together a business from a design point of view that will convert so that it doesn't just look pretty. So it's busy. It's busy. But I've got, I've got a fabulous team which makes everything so much easier. Yeah, right. Okay. So when, when you say that, you, that, that that's what you do, do you specialise in, in a certain industry or is it just across all kind of industries? Yeah. Look, the business launched 11 years ago. So when I launched, I, I did... Um, focused on a niche, which was at that time health, wellness, and fitness. That was back when green smoothies, you know, just became a thing and raw food. So that's really the area that I focused on. And then over the years, I started coaching people outside of that in like 
beauty and, and different genres. And then I just dropped the whole niche thing and now I coach everyone, like from all, from all walks of different industries ranging from 14 years old right through to in the 60s and 70s. So some people are complete startups. Other people uh, have got multiple businesses. In fact, that's the trend these days. Most people have, once they get going, they have more than one business and one brand. And, yeah, so it's it's online, offline, product, service. Yeah. I mean, I've even got a barrister as a client who he's been a barrister for so many years, I think about 30 years over in London and Canberra, and he's now uh, transitioning out of that to become a mediator, solicitor, accountants, yeah, everything. Wow, really? It used to be scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, when I first started coaching in the different industries, I was like, far out. This is like really scary. But what I found is every time I was out of my comfort zone, I was like, oh my God, I'm actually really good at this. So then I was like, (laughs) right, I've got my confidence. It's fine. I can coach everyone. (laughs) So, so it's good. And you know what, that, that really does come with experience because I think also coaching people one-on-one, you really get to understand how to grow and market and evolve businesses. If I had have just done one-on-one coaching for a couple of years and then gone into group coaching, there's there's no way I'd be able to coach into all these different genres because mm. I, I wouldn't have, you know, you learn a lot with, with clients understanding what has and hasn't worked for their business. And yeah. so, yeah, you just skill up as you go. Yeah, and I guess that at the end of the day, what you're doing with each client, regardless of industry, is really drawing out their brand vision and getting that part of, you know, so for example, a barrister or an accountant or a gym owner or a green smoothie um, producer, they might be really awesome at doing that, but they might really suck at the branding and the marketing side of things. And I guess like for you, that's where you can draw out and ask them the right questions to work out exactly how their brand is going to look so that you can take that. And it doesn't really matter what industry it's in, right? Yeah, well, it's not just branding that I do. So very much it's for me, like that that's the studio, but for business right. coaching, it's all everyone's goal is they want to create a thriving business. Now, for some people, a thriving business is they just want to be doing something two days a week. And then other people, a thriving business is just like huge turning over in the multi-millions. So it's whatever works for them. So, you know, we always have to make sure, no matter how selfish they are, that their, their business foundation is suited for where they want to take the business. And it's incredible how many people's business foundations are not correct because either, for one, they just never got it right from day one, or they've grown out of it. So the business has grown, but the infrastructure hasn't been remodeled to actually suit where they are and where they need to go. And I see that time and time and time again um, because you, you often set things up and then, you know, you forget to go back to your systems, your processes, your legals, your structure, and this is why we can see, like, rapid growth and then quick quick failure because because they haven't had a chance to adjust accordingly and they can't keep up with like the demand the supply they can't they can't match it so there's lots of things um that you know foundation is absolutely key i'll visit with every single business pricing structure often needs to be revisited as well and then you'll look at marketing staffing evolution time management so many different elements so it, it really just depends with you know like for, for the business that I'm working with, what's their sticking point for now? How do we create a solution? Yeah. Amazing. I love it. I love it. So talk us through um, a typical day for you. Uh, it sounds like you've got some like amazing clients and like you, you've explained, you already work one-on-one, but do you have like a routine? Are you a schedule girl? How does it look? Yeah, I, I am a schedule girl. So I, I get up every morning at 5.23. <laughs> Why 523? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be earlier in summer. It's just because it's dark at the moment. And then I exercise. I used to always go to the studio to exercise, but it's just, I just now exercise via and out for lots of reasons. We've got a studio at the back, so it's easy for me to do that. Um, then I have my amazing Musest uh, smoothie followed by a coffee and I really don't rush that because that's just my time of just kind of like, right, I'm just, you know, like easing into the day. But I'm generally at my desk by about quarter past seven and then I'm, I'm really, so I work from home but I'm very 
like there's no distractions in here and I'm very structured with my time. So my, my, my business coaching schedule is booked out six to eight weeks in advance. So I always know who I'm meeting on what day and then all the other work is kind of packaged around that. So, yeah, if I'm not careful, I, I could be in a situation where I never leave my desk, but I'm really lucky in that I've got two boys that go have running training every evening for two hours. So that gets me away from the desk and it's, it's so good because otherwise I would just be here all the time. But yeah. <laughs> I know I always but find that that's, that's the benefit of families, isn't it? Because when you're really yes. passionate about what you do, like you clearly are, then you could just, it's, it, you never run out of energy for it. You could do oh, it. It's the best no fun ever. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know, but it's so, it's so important to take a break. It really is. So, so that is good. Yeah. I, I, but I love working from home. I wouldn't change that because then it would decrease my productivity because I'd have to spend time getting to and from the workplace. Yeah. And you've worked up from home for 11 years. Now, yeah. a lot of um, people that listen to this, you know, and also I think with you, know, the, the, the changes that we've seen in 2020, people are working at home more than ever. And I actually think that it's one of the silver linings of the pandemic that we don't need to all you know, crowd to a central business district and do the ridiculous commute and just waste time getting from A to B, wearing ridiculous clothes. When we're working from home, mm. we can have wear more, you know, no bra, comfy pants. But what are your tips or any advice that you'd share with people who are new to working from, from home in that situation? Because it can sometimes like you've already mentioned, you know, you don't have any distractions in your workspace, yeah. but home can be distracting, right? So what would your best tips be? Yeah, look, I think you need to create structure and routine because if you think, oh, I might just start some work now, it's, it's not really going to be that effective. So you have to have a structure and routine and to stick to it. You have to have a workplace. So not everyone will have an office like I do, but at least set up a spot for your work and in an ideal world there's no distractions there's natural light and you have everything on hand so that you don't have to get up and get down all the time so you really it's all about creating an area of focus with everything on hand and designated time or routine to sit down but I think like no matter whether you're working from home or wherever you really need to be knowing what are you working on in advance rather than deciding on the day so, you know, that all fits into knowing where you want to be in your, in your business within six to 12 months and then understanding for that to happen. These are the steps that I need to take on a daily or weekly basis to actually make it happen. Yeah, wow. Okay, cool. So if so, let's say a new person, you know, they, they've, just, they've started a new business, it's startup, they, you know, they're a bit strapped for cash. Uh, you know, maybe they don't have the budget at this stage to, to you know, work with a business coach. What would be the, the key things, the key foundations that they'd be wanting to get in place to get them off to a good start, Alison? Yeah, look, number one is the foundation. I, it's, it's unbelievable how many people come to me and, and I look at their business and instantly I know, that, thank goodness they came to me because otherwise they'd just be spinning around in circles for the next three years. <laughs> um, so foundation has to be right. You know, the mechanics of the business has to be right and be set up for success. Your pricing, as I've already said, your pricing structure has to be right. You have to already really understand your target audience as well and your offerings and just make sure they work. Because sometimes people come to me and, and like when I look at particularly service, look at their services, I'm like, that, that's never going to work because it's not packaged correctly and it's, it's not priced correctly. So you have to make sure that all of those elements are, are right first. The other thing I'd say is actually don't do too much um, research because you can end up completely, there's just so much information online and you can end up so overwhelmed and every link leads to another link and then you can just waste a day just like, comparing yourself to people that have been in business for five years and no one starts where they end up in five years. And in, in fact, most businesses, by the time they hit three years, the business looks quite different to what it does when it first starts. So, you know, like understand what it is that you need to do and what's going on in your industry and niche and then bounce out of it and then look 
look at your own business and work on that. And I think the other thing is, is don't stay in the planning phase for too long. You know, it's all about taking action. So even imperfect action is better than as, as you know, and everyone knows that than just kind of sitting there trying to make everything perfect. So always take action because that's where, you know, you'll work out what has traction and what doesn't. And on that note, the other thing is even if you have an e-commerce business, you have to get out in the market so that you are actually getting in front of your audience because that's when you can understand what it is. Even product, there has to be product testing. You know, you've got to get out in the market and really understand what is going on to get that traction started. Now, you, you know, you say, uh, you know, progress over perfection or taking action and you're not getting it perfect. And everybody knows that, but I don't think they do. I think people think it's got yeah. to be absolutely spot on before they take that offering to the market and therefore they end up in this kind of like paralysis by analysis procrastination spending way too long researching when really what they need to do is to get the product out there gets and get sales but there's something kind of yucky for a lot especially women around being hungry for a sale and yeah. or charging a lot, especially when you're new to the market. So is that something that you yeah. see quite a lot in your coaching and how do you deal with it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I can't stand selling. Everyone that I coach can't stand selling. It's and so I'm like, you know what? You do not want to sell in business because if you try to sell, people will just run for a mile. And I've always said that. So when, if someone ever says to me, oh, I don't like selling, I'm like, excellent because I can't stand up either. So really, what if you take that mindset that we don't have to sell, instantly you're going to make life easier for yourself. And the other thing is, is if you've got the right product or the right service, you don't have to sell because actually that product or service should be helping your audience. So if you then take on the mindset, you know, you know like you're helping people, instantly it's so much easier. Uh, and then I've always said with pricing, your pricing you have to be comfortable with. Because otherwise, the universe in small business picks up and you don't get any sales. So, you know, I, I think that there's, there's a real thing in just being um, understanding what fits best for you and going with that and then slowly adjusting as you go. So, again, you know, you start at a price that you're comfortable and confident with and then if over time that price needs to slowly increase, you can do that. That's no problem at all. Um, but yes, you definitely just have to move forward, but always be thinking, how can I increase the trust and the credibility with my clients as opposed to going in for that sale? And generally that's through providing content and information along the lines that it's helpful, useful, interesting, or entertaining. So there, there doesn't have to be any sales in that. And through that, your audience will be nurtured into your business and eventually start reaching out when the time's right for them. Yeah, well, that makes it feel a lot less than, you know, making Yeah, I know, selling. women don't like it. Yeah. No, but I think it's just no. about sharing information and making offers. Like, you know, here's yes. my, um, here's a recipe I've got. If you want to buy this product, here's a link to my shop. It can be that. Yeah. You know, that's not your key, is it? That's not. I, absolutely. And, and the way that you just said that is right because that's what a lot of people forget. They forget the call to action. Yes, they do. And so, <laughs> so then, and people have to be told what to do in today's world. Yeah. So if, if it's as simple as swipe up to whatever mm. or click here or the link in my bio or please, met, you know, reach out for X, Y, Z, people will take action. So you, you do have to remind people, and I say to people, especially in social media, 70% of those posts need to have a call to action to it. So people are encouraged to move off that platform into another area of your business. Yeah, and so that they get they get a clear idea of, of what you want them to do. Otherwise, you know, like yeah. you said, they just keep scrolling. Oh, that's a nice picture. Scroll, scroll. Whereas yeah. it's like swipe up for the recipe. You're like, oh, okay. You know, it's not been, yeah. I think a lot of us think, oh, well, it's obvious, you know, people yeah. want to do, but they don't. People want to be told. It's not, it's that you do need to be a little bit bossy on social media, don't you, to get people to do what oh. you want to do. Well, you know, it, it, there's a lot going on social media and quite often when people are watching and absorbing the content, they're doing something else. Like for me, yeah. if I'm absorb, if I'm absorbing social media, I'm generally doing something, I'm multitasking, something in the kitchen, organizing dinner, bringing in the washing while I've got the phone going because um, I, I never really just sit down and just stare at it. 
No. I don't know if people do. I bet people people probably do, but I certainly don't. Um, and because my audience of business owners, they're all time poor as well. So I can imagine they're multitasking as well, my audience. So I'm like, you got to get to that point really quickly. You've got to tell them what to do and just... Yeah, and not waffle. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about mm. the, we've talked about the foundations. We've talked about pricing. You mentioned a little bit about packaging. Like if you've got an offer or your thing isn't packaged right, then it's not going to yeah. sell. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah. Okay. What I find this is really this is so common is that people give their audience too many options to choose from. And the minute you give people options, they have to make another decision. So what you want to do is limit it. So if you've got a brand new business and you're releasing a product, you don't want to release a massive range. It's actually excellent to release one product in that range, maximum three. Whereas you might see people release a range and, and it's huge. So And then with services, sometimes they've got like initial consultations and then all these different kind of packages. And it's like, oh, my gosh. We don't, oh, and then they'll probably put in a discovery call as well. So there's, there's so much going on that people are like, oh, my God, I don't really know where I fit in this business and if you can help them, they just, they just keep looking. So what we want to do is eliminate all the options and the options really depend on your business and what stage you're at. So for me, as an example for business coaching, the only option is, is a package with me. Um, and that package is three sessions. It's pay as you go. And then based on that, like I've, I've been working with clients for years and years and years, and then I'll work with other clients for a project and then I won't see them for another six months or nine months or there'll be people that I'll see for a while and then I'll see them again a year later. But what that does is it's providing a service for clients to suit them and they're not locked in, which is what they love. Um, so, and that works for me, but it wouldn't work for other businesses. So it's just about working out what is your very limited amount of options to give clients. So it's really easy for them to decide if you're a good match or if they need to move on. Yeah. And when you said the only option to work with you is a package, uh, internally, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be locked in for six months. It's going to be yeah, exactly. multi, multi dollars, but I love how it's, it's, expensive. it's three yeah. sessions. It's like, that's so doable. So like coming up with something that, that suits you, that's limited, that is, is just a no brainer, you know? And I know what you mean Absolutely. about the choice thing. I think it's more relevant and I'd like to discuss this with you, Alison. I think it's very relevant with services I was looking at um, working with somebody recently and I was like, I'm a very much a one-on-one person. I want to meet like this yeah. and I want to get it done and I want to get it done quickly and I want to um, ace that skill and move on. So I was like, I want to work yeah. and do some one-on-one stuff. And she's like, here's my four different packages and it's six months for this and three months for that and instant Voxer access to me all the time. And I'm like, oh my God. I, don't, I don't want that. You know, <laughs> it's, it was just too yeah, So Did you, did you, did you bounce? Yeah, bounce. So I was like, I was like, that doesn't suit me. I don't know which yeah. one to pick. I don't know. It's too hard. Decision That's exactly fatigue. right. Too hard. Exactly. And also, I'm really against the free discovery call because it means that every single inquiry you get, you have to have a call with them, and it's actually just it's not a good use of your time. And you're better off just giving all the information either on your website or yes. on, on the email. And then the first consultation they pay. Yeah. Otherwise, then when you it's have like, the discovery call, you've then got to convert them into another appointment where they've got to pay. You don't even call it discovery call. You have the conversation via email. And then if, um, just say, if you've got any questions, I'm happy to chat over the phone. And it's a 10-minute conversation. The minute you start pitching it as a discovery call, it's like a half an hour consult and you can't get any results in 30 minutes. No. You know, like it, it, it's just it's just not a good idea. So I'm always just like do everything via email and then if, if you want to jump on the phone to ask a few questions, let's organise it. 
And it's just a much better way of running the business because, as I said, you know, if you're a business that gets a lot of inquiries, you could be spending a lot of time in discovery calls, mm. um, which isn't a good use. No, it's boring and you're like, here we go again, saying yeah. the same thing over and over again. Every time I get oh, asked a question, yeah. I make sure I put it on my frequently asked questions page or do a little video about it or put it out there yeah. so that when people do come through to a session with me, it's all about them. It's not about me telling you what I can do for you. You know, it's more, yeah. more about them, which is much more interesting. Yeah. So is that, would you say that's the same with products? So if I was going to go to market with some products, am I better off just going with one product or a more of a range? Look, it depends on what the product is. So yes, one product is fabulous for a new brand. Um, Yes, you can release a range, but minimal amounts in the range. So like three would be good. Yeah. Um, But what you don't, like, for example, if you have an online store, there is no need to launch an online store with like 100 products in there. It's too much because you're trying to establish the brand to begin with. Um, And yes, you want to have a product range. But I know when I'm online shopping, I want to be able to navigate really easily, you know, and really see what they've got and, and then make a purchase. But if it's just really huge and cumbersome, it's too much. However, if the brand's been established for a long time, you, you can have way more products in there because you've gotten to know the brand over time and understand their style. And at that point, you would have seen a lot of um, uh, shared user content as well. So you kind of go into the store pretty much knowing what's in there anyway. So, yeah, yeah, again, it depends on what stage of business that that you're at and and where you are along the the brand awareness line. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that being in a product-based business myself that, you know, when – customers love new things. There's a big novelty factor around a new launch of something new and big. But so we've recently just launched um, a new granola line and I've got four granolas, but I didn't launch them all at the same time. I just launched exactly. two so they can try both. And two of, they're very different, yeah. you know, in terms of, you know, taste and macronutrient panel and all that kind of thing. Um, and then you keep the other two up your sleeve. So when the excitement of the big buzz of the That's new product, right. you know, that everyone's talking about, then you can bring something in, you know, probably I don't know, around Easter next year when you've had a chance to launch the other one and see how it goes. There's no point putting all the yeah. work into four products if it's a fizzer. So it's good to go to market and well, test And also it's great to do limited edition products as well. And if they work, then roll it out yeah. in the full range. You know, there's lots of different ways to, you know, generate excitement and marketing hype and buzz without um, – having too many products because as you know every product costs a lot of money to bring to market sure does it's not a cheap exercise (laughs) ouch that's why if everyone if anyone ever says to me what's the best type of business to create i'm like service Service. There's, there's 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 no overheads it's portable you know creates huge freedom and flexibility however it's much harder to to create a service business you know it takes longer to get it going yeah 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 so that's why actually you see you are seeing people that are having service and product businesses mm. now mm. under two different brands yeah it's interesting though Oh, I love it. I'm fascinated by it. I can mm. see why you want to do this mm. every day, day in, day yeah. out. But you, let's talk about actionable tips because you, you've, you've already said that, you know, you, you're, you work in a business with your clients where you want them to take action. Have you got any like magic bullet action or like one piece of advice, tips that you could give to anybody in any industry that's going to drive their business forward? Yeah. You know what? They have to know where they want to be in that business within six to 12 months. So a lot of people say, oh, you know, what's your three or your five-year vision? But from my point of view, we are in a very fast-paced world where things are happening quicker than ever before. And so if we set goals that far apart, you know, like times change and they become obsolete. So keep, keep it more short-term, six to 12 months, know what that is, and then understand the actions that you need to take But, you know, the most successful businesses I see are the people that actually take action. So if we have a meeting and then from that meeting there's all these outcomes and I'm like, right, I'll see you in four to five weeks, this all has to be done. (laughs) And then I catch up with that person in four to five weeks and they're like, oh, well, you know, did these things, but they've got a huge amount of excuses. I'm just like, oh, my God, like seriously, this is, is wasting their time and their money. 
um, because I can't, I can't make it happen unless they're actually doing the work because then I can tell them what to do next. So taking action is absolutely key and being really focused. But I think one of another huge tip for success is actually having a fabulous network of different people in different industries that you can call upon and that, you know, you can really learn from because quite often, especially as a business grows, you encounter hurdles and problems that you have no idea how to solve. However, if you've got a big enough network, you'll know that someone's been through something very similar. You can reach out and ask them and, and, they'll, and they'll help you. Yeah, because you're constantly problem solving. Like every business is filled with hurdles mm-hmm. and challenges, mm-hmm. let's say pretty much on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, and that's not so a bad anything, thing, is it? You know, like no. I think a lot of people well, think, oh, you. no, I've, I've reached a hurdle and, and oh, oh gosh. it's a sign. I'm not meant to no. do business. It's not a sign, is it? It just means they've got no, to it's a, get over it. It's a sign that you're actually on the right track. Yes. It's terrifying though. And one of, the, one of the things that business will teach you, which you'll agree with, is how to get out of your comfort zone and because you're having to do it all the time. But the more you do it, the more you become comfortable with it. But as, as a business grows, you, you literally kind of like get shunted up to the next level of being uncomfortable and it's damn terrifying. I think that's why so many people are suffering anxiety is because they're actually out of their comfort zone. And then if, if they don't deal with it, if they don't deal with hurdles, they start to get overwhelmed and really doubt themselves and just it all becomes too much. So, so I think really understanding, yes, we're going to be encountering hurdles and challenges very frequently, but the only way to get through this is to actually face it head on and constantly create solutions because otherwise it can get out of control if, if you think you can just sweep it under a carpet and it'll go away because it doesn't. <laughs> no, it, that's so true. It yeah. doesn't go away, but and it's not a it's not a bad thing. I think that's the key thing. It's not going to be all smooth sailing, you know. If I think if you're just chasing like the positive sides of of having your own business, you know, all the nice things that you can think of, um, mm. then you're just chasing a fantasy because you know there are both sides to the reality, and some of them are like really shitty hard days, tricky customers, oh complaints, yeah. food going moldy, um, you know, ovens breaking in in our industry. And it's just a case of, yeah, pulling together, having that network of community that you can um, reach out to for support. So yeah. you're not doing anything mm. on your own, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I think this is where podcasts are so fabulous because you can listen to, you know, businesses talk about hardship and challenges. And then you do really realize, actually, you know what? Everyone's going through this. It's just that nothing, no one really talks about it publicly. Apart yeah. from podcasts, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that the, the, there's more of that um, sharing on podcasts that as opposed to when you just scroll in social media, no one's going to tell you on there that they've had a really shit day and you know they've had a, no. a customer to deal with or a refund request or all of these other things that are yes. like small but inevitable parts of running a business, like getting unsubscribes. I mean, if you don't ever want to have anybody unsubscribe from your email list, then don't start a bloody list unless you just want your yeah, man exactly. and on it, right? Because people are going to unsubscribe. And I like yeah. that. I'm like that. Or, you know, if people unfollow you on social media, I'm like, good, because, you know, now I don't need to waste time talking to you because you're not my ideal person. You go off and find mm. your ideal person and I'll have more space for mine, which is quite... Yeah, I mean, it's so really. true. I mean, no one can be all things to all people and you don't want to be either. So, yeah. So true. So true. Now, um, decision-making, that's a tricky one, right, in business. Mm. So what are your, what's your top tip for making the right decision quickly in business? Yeah, you know what? Th- this can be hard, making the, making the right decision. I think really you've, the best thing really to do is to isolate I think that what happens in business is you've got a lot going on and sometimes it can get too much and then you can't make quick decisions that are clear. So really what you need to do is remove any form of emotion. That's number one, so that you can make the right decision. And then really just kind of like look at it strategically and just think what what is the right, you know, how can I reframe this problem 
or, you know, this, this area that I'm trying to make a decision on and then work out different pathways because quite often there's, there's several different ways of doing things. So for me, what I find, um, I work from a computer all day. So sometimes if I need to make a decision quickly, I need to move away from that computer. Um, I'll go for a walk and I'll mull it over in my mind or I get out the pen and paper and actually write down if there's a couple of different ways of making a decision, I'll get it down on paper and then and then I'll make a decision. So quick decisions sometimes do take overnight, but we just don't want them to take weeks and weeks and weeks. And I do think sometimes an overnight um, test is very mm. good. There was something that came through yesterday um, via email to me and I was like, I'm going to get back to that person. And then I thought, you know what? I'm actually just going to leave it till tomorrow. I really feel like I need to mull over the the solution because there's there's a couple of different options that we could go down. I actually had quite a restless night because it kept on popping up in my dream. Then I woke up this morning, exercised, and then I was like, oh, it was just all crystal clear. So it was just like because I just had enough time to just let it marinate and just work out I could do this option or that option. And I actually just had this conversation with a client before I came on this session. She had the same thing where with her, she was saying to me, when she gets when she has to make a quick decision, she just makes it. And then she said she's she's actually realized that she should just kind of leave it a few hours in some cases because she's too quick, yes. you know, to the detriment of other things going on in her business. So, yeah, so quick decisions can definitely be overnight, but you do have to remove emotion. I think, you know, when you let emotion cloud decisions, it can definitely not be good for business. Mm. And it gets so much more draining when you let the emotions get involved, whereas if you just look mm. at it, and don't get me wrong, I think you've got to feel through the emotions first. And I love, yeah. I love what you said about getting away from the desk Um and, you know, I've, I always find, you know, you saying you're going for a walk, going out into nature, leaving yeah. my home. It just kind of letting it all kind of like roll around in your head can really help. And I've put in place a 48-hour window on big decisions, not like little oh, ones. yeah. But yeah. Like, do, like, you know, for example, we just I just decided to add a new arm to the business last week. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is an amazing idea, but I'm just going to sit on it and, and give it yeah. three, three mornings of waking up going, do I still think it's a good idea? I'm like, yes, it's a great idea. And then yeah. finally decided to launch it, you know? Um, mm. And I think that, that that can be helpful as well. And also I think when when we're dealing with tricky customers or a complaint, leaving a bit of space for people to kind of cool down is yes. huge. Even like yes. up to three weeks, it's okay to allow people to yeah. get what they want to say off their chest and then mm. leave it some time and then get back to them. And they're kind of over it by the time. You know, whereas if you have stripped back, yeah. back and forth, back and forth like that, it kind of adds fuel to the to the, to yes. the problem, I find. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I do think uh, it's very powerful to approach business with a solutions mindset as well. So, you know, as we said, like you can, you can get very bogged down in the day-to-day in busyness of everything going on, which is great. But you also need to be creating solutions because as we said before, you, you're living in a sea of hurdles and challenges and constant evolution of business. And so you need to be constantly problem solving. So I think that that's a really great way of looking at it because if, you, if you're solving problems, it actually means you're moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's that growth. Mm. And Demartini says, you know, yeah. that you have the growth when you're on, on the border of support and challenge. So when it just gets yes. a little bit too hard, that's when you experience the personal growth. That's when things go next level. It might feel uncomfortable at the time, but when you look back, you think, wow, that was a real transitional period. Yeah. Not just for the business, oh. but for also for me. And it's the best fun ever. It's like playing video games, right? You, you, <laughs> you get to the next level and you, you get to have all the fun up there yeah. as well. Which mm. is really cool. Yeah, so good. In the health and wellness space, which is where we are today with this podcast, there are so many brands, Alison, so many people who've had a health transformation that have qualified as health coaches, wanting to start their own service-based coaching business or wanting to bring out a product into the health and wellness space to meet a need that they, you know, they see isn't being met. Um, yeah. What can we do? Do you have any like bits of advice that can really help us um, develop a brand that's really going to stand out from everybody else's? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So really the whole small business arena is very crowded. You know, there's not really any new ideas because everything's been done. And, you know, we only have to talk about yoga studios and go, you know what, there's so many yoga studios. Do we really need any more? But the point is, is that, yes, you know, the market can take more of what's already out there because it's just about creating your own identity. So I, I think it's really important to really understand, you know, like where where are you positioned in the market? That is absolutely key. Um, and also you do not want to be creating another Me Too brand. It's, it's really, really got to be something unique. But I don't think it needs to scream unique, you know. Like I don't think you want, it to, want to try too hard. So it's very much looking within because every person is unique and has something different to bring to the table. So with small business, I often say, you know, um, you you cross-pollinate your skills with your expertise and your, your passion, which is often what leads to the business idea. And then from that, a personality should be born that comes from within you. There should be a story that links between you and the product or the service in some shape or form. So when it actually comes to articulating the brand, you've already got a bit of an idea of the brief. So you might not know the look and feel. Some people do, some people don't, but that they know they know the brand well enough to go, this is who I'm talking to, this is the tone, this is how I want to be perceived in the market. Because if you go to a good design brand studio, they can then take that information and turn it into something amazing that makes you stand out from the rest and gives you your own identity. What I don't like, I find on Instagram, there's a lot of businesses that just constantly look the same. And and so as a result, they kind of just all go into this cloud and you're not really sure who they are or what they do because they all feel like one. And we actually went through a phase several years ago where everyone would call their business three, you know, three words with a range of like wellness and, you know, all those kind of like cliches. And you never knew as a consumer what order they were in or who you were talking to. So I, I think I've always said the most powerful way um, to brand you know, a business is one or two words if you're creating a brand, like try not to have too many. If you have a filler word, it's good just to drop that. So, for example, because I made that mistake myself, my business is actually called The Relauncher because that's what sounded right when I named it. But soon into the business, I'm like, God, why is, why is the in there? Let's just drop it um, <laughs> because it's in the way. It's a filler. So I got rid of it. So now I'm always saying to everyone, drop the filler words because once you get used to the name, it actually is just better without the filler words. Um, or more and more people, and but it's been happening for years, is calling the business their name. But in the past, if they called it their name, they kind of felt that their business could only ever be as big as them. But what we're now seeing is that people are turning their own name brand of business into a quite big businesses um you know you only have to look at some hairdressing salons and brow businesses that have become really really big and and they're named with their name so yeah having having a really good business name is absolutely key but then you know going to a studio where they can articulate your initial ideas and execute it in a way that helps you stand out become noticed is really important but as i said we don't want to be yelling with brands and and with collateral because um, it can get messy um, in terms, you know, visually and then can make it harder for you to communicate your message. So I always just think, you know, the best work always looks very effortless, but it's very hard to get effortless. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mm. can imagine, like, yeah, just trying to get that. Yeah. Isn't that the case, like, the relauncher? Isn't it the same as the Facebook? Didn't Facebook used to be yeah. the Facebook? And then... Yeah, correct. Um. Mark Zuckerberg was told to drop the because Facebook. Thank God. Yeah. Facebook. Who wants to be saying that? I know. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And you know what? We actually launched at a similar time. I launched just before Facebook. And um, it must have just been the the time, the era, you know, that we, we created brand names that actually sounded as we spoke, right? We didn't think. Yeah. Yeah. Of a brand like that. 
Super interesting. It's so interesting. I'm fascinated by it all. Mm. But let's just touch on social media. So how important is social media for small business? And, you know, should we be on there every day? What if we, what if we get a little bit creative and we like put five things on, on one day and then we just can't face going on social media for a few weeks? What, is there any tips around, um, timing and consistency with social media? Yeah, look, you know, social media, it's not for everyone. I've got clients who have got thriving businesses and they're not on social media and and they don't need it and they have no interest in it. So it, again, goes back, depends on your business and you as a person because there's so many different ways to market your business. And I think this is where a lot of people get stuck. They think social media is the be-all and end-all of business um, in terms of marketing, and it's not real. See that I really think that yeah. I, I worry. Oh my god, what if my Facebook account gets disabled? Oh, How will gosh. I reach my clients? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's it's good to be on social media, and I think you know if if you like it, you should definitely be on it because it's free marketing. You know, there's no doubt about it. But to me, it's it's one cog in the marketing wheel, but should should not drive all the marketing that you're doing. Um, But, yes, everyone needs to be on there if they like it. But, you know, usually people will have one one channel that works better for them than Mm -hmm. another. Mm -hmm. You know, they might find that Facebook is better for them or Instagram is better for them or LinkedIn is better for them or YouTube. It just depends. So, you know, once you've identified that, you can then kind of work out where to spend most of your time. I do think you need to be on there every day. But if, again, you know, I've got clients that don't. I'm like, in fact, there was one today I was coaching today and I said, right, for you, twice a week is fine if you do X, Y, Z. And then I said to her, once we've got that sorted and you've got that habit, then we'll slowly build up. But even even doing what I told her to do twice a week will be, will be fine to get her going. But, you know, the great thing is there's all platforms that you can use for scheduling now as well. Um, and it, it's very much about using the right hashtags and creating content, which is, you know, as we said before, helpful, useful, interesting and entertaining for your audience and that it's on topic. You know, I, I do think that some people stray off topic or, you know, they kind of like overshare when it's not really that necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just working out what's your message What's your tone? Yes, everyone likes to see some lifestyle and behind the scenes, but it's just working out, you know, that level that's going to suit you best. Mm. I know what you mean about the overshare. It's not so prevalent now, but about a year ago, people were really sharing, like really like, you know, my dad's dying of cancer stories. And then at the bottom, sign up for my three-month course. And I was just like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, good. That's just revolting, isn't it? Just revolting. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, no good. It's like yes. putting on all the heartstrings for the wrong reasons and buy my thing. Yeah. Didn't like uh, But I, I think, I do think a good message is, you know, for new businesses are starting out that are just getting on social media and they've got like, you know, 10 followers, <laughs> not to be discouraged. You know, it's not the end of the world. You just need to be discoverable. And whether that's discoverable by social media, by Google, by pedestrian traffic, past, you know, your, your shop, by referrals, that's, the goal you know to be so it's not it's not about numbers you have to be discoverable and then when they discover you they have to instantly understand what you do and then how do they how do they make a purchase or how do they get in contact so and then everything else is you know that's they're the support pieces but if you think about it like that and just really simplify it it actually makes it less you know overwhelming yeah no i love that and there's somebody that i follow on social media she does one post a week but it's epic. Like I look forward yeah. to her one post a week instead of the other brands I follow that, are, you know, it's, it gets a bit spammy after a while, you know, not mm. everything catches your interest, but her one epic post a week is like, it's literally a highlight. She does it the same day. It's a bit like an email or, you know, a blog post. It's wow. the same that she does every week. And it's, and it's really, it's really epic and, and I love it. And that's a different way to do it too. Yeah, she, you know, she doesn't need to keep exactly. it in the same way over and over again. Yeah, and you know what? That goes back to that there really, you know, there is a formula for creating successful businesses. That That's true. However, um, you can build a business to suit you. You know, just because someone's doing it or everyone else is doing it this way and that's what, the in, you know, the industry says is going to work does not mean if you do it your way it's not going to work. So, you know, I think being an individual and doing what, 
feels right for you is very important. Yes. No, I love that. Now, my final mm. question is, it's around, it's a kind of two-pronged question. It's around outsourcing mm. and it's around balance. So for a lot of small business owners, especially those that are working from home, that are juggling family like you and I and all the other things that we've got to do, what tips have you got around balance and, and is it okay to outsource stuff? Oh, gosh, yes. You would be outsourcing lots, surely. Yes, but it took me a while. Um, I thought I had to become an expert uh, in everything. <laughs> you know what? Um, sorry, I'm just like, um, but, yeah, what I, I've outsourced oh, since day one, actually, even when the business wasn't making business, um, sorry, making money, it was really, it was just like there were certain things that I was not good at. It was actually accounting and bookkeeping. Yeah. I wasn't even making any money. I just needed someone to organise all my expenses. But, you know, it was really smart because I, the, it meant that it was all set up from day one and and I could focus on actually what I was good at. Um, so, yes, outsourcing is brilliant. And, you know, whether that's, um, you know, like VAs or contractors or however, you know, you don't have to bring on staff as such and because there, there's a real, like, to bring on staff is actually terrifying. So there are, there are certain ways to bring on people that can help or outsource. There's you know, so many different platforms you can outsource through. So that's very good. In terms of balancing life and work, I don't think that there's such a thing. You know, the way that I look at it is integrating. Mm-hmm. So for me, I actually, although I'm really focused and productive, I do dip in and out of work at certain times of the day because of the kids and that is absolutely fine. And even like during the day, um, some days I'll be like, oh, I'll quickly put on dinner so that we're sorted for tonight, you know. And so I just I just dip in and out of it. But I'm really like when I'm working, I'm working. When I'm not, I'm not kind of thing. So I think just working out a way that suits you because I think if you think, oh, gosh, I've got to have this amazing balanced life, you're going to be forever unhappy because it's very – I don't I – don't, yeah, how can you achieve it? Yeah, and I family think, environment. Yeah, you know, I think that's so spot on. And I think a lot of women who work from home and have their own business, they kind of chastise themselves if they're doing a bit of work on a Sunday afternoon at two o'clock because they shouldn't be working because that should have found its space during the week and they should be doing something with the family. But what I find yeah. is when you're working from home, like it's all the all the boundaries are a little bit blurry. And you, like you say, I love your word yeah. integration. It's about just getting dinner on while the washing machine's finished. Then I'm going to be yeah. Pick Millie up from school and um, load, upload a podcast at all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at, yeah, you're right though, because I was last night uploading a podcast as I was um, doing dinner. But I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I know, I love it too. Look at me go. Two things at once. Do, do, do. <laughs> Post it on so, you know, there's, there's, there's certain things where you go, you know what, I'm going to be really focused on doing whatever it is, you know, like with the kids or whatever. And then there's other times where you go, you know what, multitasking is the way to go in this environment. Yeah, so, yeah depending on what you, you just, do. You just work, exactly, you just work it out as you go, yeah. you know. After, after 11 years, I find of doing this, I'm like, I feel like I've got it down yeah and it can take some time right to find your groove yeah, it does. Find your rhythm and find your routine and that's okay which is good mm. now yeah. i'm looking forward to catching up with you next week so i'm going to be a yes. guest on your podcast which is super cool exciting yeah it'll be really good Table. i'll be able to ask you all the questions we'll just flip the questions around. <laughs> yeah i'll just send you your questions back because they were great yeah. questions and now I want to get some primal alternative goodies to you. Do you have any dietary restrictions that I need to know of, like gluten-free, vegan, no. anything like that? No, I'm, we're all easy going over here. Easy going. All right, I'm going to send you some pizzas <laughs> and some cookies because everybody is full oh, of those. So that would be amazing. Okay. Oh, my gosh, that sounds incredible. Food is yum and fun. All right, so before we wrap it up, Alison Morgan, what is your final message to leave the listeners with today about small business and having a successful business that they love? Success is whatever it means to you. Success does not come overnight, unfortunately, as much as we would all love it to happen. um, The businesses that do have this huge boom overnight have their own set of issues and the most 
the most successful businesses, apart from, you know, those people that I mentioned before, is about taking action. It's actually businesses that have grown and adjusted organically over time. My business took three to five years to set up and really be a proper business. And although I was frustrated in that time, it was the best thing ever because it allowed me me personally to grow into the business and set up the infrastructure properly. So, you know, learning to be um, patient mm-hmm. throughout the journey while also, you know, really being focused and working hard on it constantly is really important. But, you know, enjoy the journey because you do a lot of self-growing throughout the time. Perfect. Awesome. Alison, thanks so much. I know all this amazing information is going to really help our listeners. So thanks for your time today. Thanks, Helen. If you want to learn how to create and sell nutritious, honest food, help more people, be part of a supportive community and start your own home business that's in alignment with your highest values, then the Primalista license is for you. Head over to primalalternative.com to find out how this works. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.